The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coda is probably the most prestigious uh, change as far as venue. Just our cars aren't built for road racing, but we're going to more road courses with them. So fresh start in a lot of places. You know, we go to Coda. There's no notes to lean on. We'll obviously have a little bit of practice, but it's hard to learn that quickly and figure it out. You know, the track was designed for Formula One cars, MotoGP bikes. Our big heavy stock cars are gonna be a beast to get around that track. You know, I'm not really sure it was designed around stock car racing, right? And that's not, you know, typical type of track that, that we race at on, on the road course side of things, so. It's gonna be more of a car fight, I think, than it's gonna be, um, you know, a road course race. It's an amazing track. I'm I'm very excited for it. Each section of the track is, is kind of different. I'm not really for certain on the layout. I've never been there, I've never seen it. Track has everything in it, and I hope that our lack of experience with this track creates parity, and I really think it will. It should be fun. A new challenge, something different, learning learning a new road and see how it goes. All right, well, welcome into NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Steve Letarte here along with Dale Jarrett, Jeff Burton. All right, guys, you heard it. That's the big news, I guess, of the day. Uh, new track, new venue. We've all gone to them. Uh, some ovals, some road courses this week. It's CODA. Circuit of the Americas is basically uh, the official name. It's down in Austin. Great city from everything I've heard. How excited are we to see a new venue? Well, I tried to book dinner reservations for the next few nights, and I got pretty pretty disappointed. This place is crowded, man. It's hard to get dinner <laughs> reservations. But, you know, I, I started laughing, I was internally laughing. I was listening to all those guys talk about, well, this, this track's not designed for stock cars, and what road course yeah. was ever designed yeah, right, for stock cars? Right. I mean, seriously, like I don't think they laid Sonoma out and said, we're gonna race a stock car around here. Yeah. I mean, no road course was designed for stock cars. And I honestly think that's what makes it cool. Yeah. I think the yeah. fact that you take a big, heavy, heavy stock car with tons of power and you say, we're gonna run this racetrack and it's 20 turns. I mean, that's crazy. That's, and, yeah. and so I, I think that's what makes it cool. I, in this corner right here, turn one, I just hold on, man. Like I, I think it's gonna be chaos up there. Yeah, yeah, we, we thought, uh, and I think people talk about the turn one at Ro at the Roval, uh, yeah. Charlotte, that, about how crazy that is to watch, and, and the drivers, well, of course, we know kind of how they feel about it and what goes on there. I think this has potential to just make you forget completely about that, but this is going to be such a challenge, and, and I haven't seen a lot of footage, but what you see, uh, I believe, is going to be uh, extremely difficult for these drivers. It, it kind of mixes in. We always talk about Watkins Glen versus Sonoma, and that Watkins Glen is kind of that super speedway, high high speed uh, road course, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think that there's some parts of this will, that will exceed that, and uh, a lot of tight corners uh, on top of that. So it's going to be a challenge. Uh, the good thing is they've got some practice to get used to it again uh, and, and see exactly what they have. I think on one of the shots there, I saw a golf cart, and I think that's about the only way that I would have any success there is riding a golf cart around that place. You sat on a pole at Watkins Glen one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, 
people still think that something was wrong with the clocks. About won the race, <laughs> hole in the oil pan, if my memory serves me right. But we had a big show today. Dale Jr. is going to call in and join us. Uh, we're going to talk to him about CODA, some exciting news for Nashville, and a little bit of rumbling around North Carolina, North Wilkesboro. Perhaps maybe has the chance to get some financing from the governor. We'll see how that works out. Christopher Bell is going to join us. He won the Daytona road course. You talk about weren't designed for stock cars. We never <laughs> thought we'd see stock cars on that road course. He won there. We have Austin Sindrick, double duty driver, is going to join us. And then our man Lee Diffie, who knows more about CODA than the three of us because he's at least a called a race there. So, I mean, that's really what I want to start at. I I've studied the track. I know how many corners there are. I know it's a big track. I mean, I don't know what to expect. I watched the iRace last night, of all things. They wrecked in turn one. The track looked very technical. These are the best guys in the world on iRacing, and they couldn't make all the corners. So there's practice, DJ, but it's one hour. If you're going there for one hour, what are you trying? do you worry about how your car drives, or are you just trying to get comfortable with the facility? I think the biggest thing is get as many much time on the track uh, and then talk about your car because you know there's not a ton of adjustments they're going to be able to make with your car anyway so there's no reason to take that time the the course is so long uh, that it's just getting some laps on there and, and then go from that point that would you know first and foremost uh, just try to, to lead up to staying on the racing surface itself and get as much information as you can as a driver I think it's going to be interesting to see how the teams approach practice, right? Because they, we, there hasn't been practice. Yeah. And who is going to be in there slinging springs and changing sway bars and who's going to say, okay, what we've learned is that we probably got the best we know how to get. You know, we probably unloaded with the best. We're, yeah. We might not going to make it better and just say, okay, driver, you go, you go get better because yes. there's going to be more time in learning how to drive the racetrack. Uh, one thing I do here that's going to make changes even that much more difficult is that the speed fall off in the tires everybody's expecting a lot of fall off in the tires. The tires are going to wear out a great deal. And when you, anytime that happens, it gets very difficult to make changes because if the tires are slowing down and you make a change to the car, yeah. how do you know it's better or not? So yeah. I think it'd be a complicated weekend. Yeah. If, if, if it were me and I was going, you were my crew chief, I'd say, look, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Let's use these 50 minutes to work on me because I'm going to get you more than you're going to get with a set of uh, some shocks and some springs. And that's how I would want to go. About. Yeah, I think I think that Chase Elliott, who has been kind of the standard setter here uh, recently, is that everybody's figured out that somehow, some way, he's out breaking everybody yeah. uh, in the field, including his teammates. So they have something and he has something and a way of doing this. Trying to figure out how you can make your braking better is going to be the best, better thing that you can do besides throwing shocks and springs and sway bars at it. So, so the other thing, Steve, and you, you know this, 50 minutes of practice on a road course could be <laughs> yeah. 25 minutes of track time. Could yeah. be one run, yeah. two runs. I mean, you get a yeah. double yeah. red flags. You have a, if, I mean, the yeah. track's, what, 18 miles long? I mean, it lasts <laughs> I mean, forever. So, yes. If somebody so has big. a problem, you got to go get them. It's going to take forever. The yeah. lap times are going to be forever. Like, you're not going to have that much time to be making changes. Uh, as far as the track, I tell you what, what I find interesting is that you have these very complex sections of the racetrack, right? Yeah. And when you get done with that, com those complex sections, it opens up to long straights with 90-degree with, with corners, 120-degree yeah. corners at the other end. So yeah. what that means is if you can get through those complex sections and be all over the rear bumper of the guy, that's going to be the passing zone. Is yeah. try to outbreak them. This is going to be, to your point, it's going to be about outbreaking people. That's how you're going to pass on this racetrack. But you're going to have to set them up on those complex sections. It's going to, it's going to be fun to watch. And I, you know how Sonoma is. Turn one, 
You go mm -hmm. up the hill, turn two, actually you go up the hill and you come to a stop. Right. Yeah. And when you're 10 rows back on a restart, when I say come to a stop, like stop. it's, yeah. it's, I mean, literally <laughs> you want like 10 miles an hour. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just think turn one here is going to be a lot like that. And mm. I think the wreck will be back in the eighth, ninth row, right. not so much in the first or second row. All right. Well, well, I know we have a lot to talk about with Coda, but let's bring in one of our colleagues. Our old buddy Dale Jr. is on the line. Uh, Jr., we've been talking a lot about Coda, but there's also some big news about Nashville, another new venue for Cup, a returning venue for NASCAR. Uh, sounds like you're going to have a co-host. I knew you weren't going to host a pre-race on your own. Give us the real story. <laughs> now, what's the story? You're going to have a co-host when we head to Nashville. Yeah, Brad, Brad Paisley is uh, going to be part of uh, – getting us back on on the on the road with our with our second half of the season of nascar and i went to nashville today to work with him on creating some content for for the intro of our shows and all that good stuff and it was really a lot of fun and i think people are going to be pretty happy with with uh or at least think it's funny what we did so um he's a great guy easy to work with and um i think uh, you know got me excited about our season it's a month away we're going to be in the booth all back together uh, working these races. I've missed it. I uh, missed traveling. It's going to be great to get back and look out of, the, look out of that uh, booth out onto the track and see the cars on the racetrack. You know, uh, we feel that energy from the race, and it really, uh, it really makes a big difference, I think, in the product in the booth. And so I'm excited about that and to see you guys and hang out. Yeah, how about the, the racetrack there? I know there's a lot of excitement already about it. And, and of course, it's a great city. And, and you put that uh, a good racetrack and, and a great city. The, the fans love that. But uh, what you know about the track and, and the type of racing we might see there? Well, I tested there. We had an Xfinity car that ran a few races there. And it's concrete. Um, I think it's going to be a lot like Dover where... Um, it might not quite get quite as wide as Dover, um, but it, it's going to be a bottom groove track. That's traditionally what it was when we uh, saw races there in the past. And um, the concrete surface is easy to overdrive. And so the really, really interesting thing or the really challenging thing about driving at Nashville Super Speedway is entering turn one. There's not enough grip to drive the car down in there as far as you think you can um, you have to, you know, the trial and the banking and the visual, you're looking at that corner going, oh, I, I think I can go quite a ways down into here before I lift and be off the gas just momentarily before I'm back in the throttle. But you have to lift so early. And those guys are going to start to learn that pretty quickly. And um, I think that's going to create some problems for some guys that, that overdrive that corner down in the middle and, and open up that bottom groove. So it's really, really hard uh, to tell yourself to lift as early as you need to to get down into turn one because it feels like you can go so much further but the concrete will not hold the grip in the middle of the corner yeah junior i had the uh, nbc car out there yesterday and oh i actually drove a lot of laps oh yeah i couldn't believe i made it that far but, but <laughs> i I, uh, I, it, I did a lot of testing there and immediately came back to me getting into turn one like you got to park that thing yeah. it's so much slower but like junior said it's when you're looking at it, it's like, it looks like a mile and a half. Like, yeah, this is right. a mile and a half. I'm going to drive this thing in a corner and get yeah. back in the gas. But it's not that kind of corner. It's, it's, uh, it's completely different than turn three. Turn three is more like a mile and a half, and turn one is like a short track. But, yeah. So uh, when we mentioned short tracks. So, Junior, I'm curious. I know you're a huge fan of short tracks. Uh, the governor of North Carolina today announced that 
he is going to try to get a grant for North Wilkesboro, Rockingham, yeah, and yeah. Charlotte Motor Speedway to try to get them $10 million to try to make improvements to those facilities. I know that probably has you excited. I think it's got a lot of people excited. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a race at Rockingham later this year with the Cars Tour. So that track is still operational to an extent. And so this, uh, this money that I believe that they will get eventually um, could really help Rockingham, you know, get back up on its feet. It's, it's almost there. You know, it's almost got some momentum that can, that can carry it pretty far. North Wilkesboro is another story. We've been there. We've shown that racetrack. You can go on YouTube and watch plenty of videos of what that racetrack looks like currently. It's going to take a lot of work. But talking to Marcus Smith, he's pretty confident that he can turn North Wilkesboro into something functional. Now, what that means and, and what type of racing we might see there is, is to be determined. But they would not be investing that type of money in a track just to fix it up for us to go look at it and us to go tour it as some sort of a monument to, to, to the history of the sport. It's definitely, if they're going to invest millions of dollars into that track, you can bet that they have a plan to bring entertainment back to that track, racing, com concerts, uh, festivals, all types of things. Uh, and that's a great space, I believe, up in North Wilkesboro to do that. So I was pretty excited to hear about that. And we have talked about North Wilkesboro for years. Everyone, myself included, never thought that it would ever make a comeback of any kind. So this is the first real sign that it may have a true purpose in the future. All right, Junior, we're going to be Motor Mouse without a call from the fans, so I think we have Marvin on the line. Go ahead, Marvin, you got a question? I sure do, guys. How you doing, Dale? I'm doing great. Hey, Dale, I got a question for you. We're heading to Circuit of the Americas this weekend. I want to know who your locked-in favorite is to win on Sunday uh, at Circuit of the Americas. Well, I'd hate to give away my fantasy lineup, especially to these three gentlemen on the show. We're in heavy competition in our NBC fantasy group. But you'd have to say that Martin Trex Jr. and Chase Elliott are probably the favorites. Christopher Bell, who ran really good and won a race uh, earlier this year at the road course at Daytona, may be a guy to watch. Uh, think about the people that have tested there. Again, Kurt Busch is a guy I'm probably going to have on my fantasy lineup at least in my garage he's got i think eight top tens in the last 10 road course races so he's going to find a way to get up front and i think he's actually had some laps there maybe not in a in a pure race car but um you know the usual road course guys should figure this place out or at least you know should be able to get up there and get you a decent finish for your fantasy league but truex and uh, chase elliott are things the guys to beat i believe what I heard is um, some stats, which tells me that you're studying pretty hard for the fantasy league in the first half of the year. Maybe that's why he's leading it. Hey, so. I was going to say, let's make this perfectly clear. If you haven't looked at it, he is wearing us out. Oh, I know. It's not even close. It's not even a battle. But I think the big question here away from that is, are you going to sing on this pre-race show coming up <laughs> yeah, at Nashville? Yeah. I play the guitar. You'll just have to see how good okay. I play it. All, All right. right. Yeah. So, hey, before we let you go, I just got one other thing. It was reported this week, nothing's beneficial, but the story came out about Brad Keselowski potentially being offered some ownership at Roush to come drive there. I only bring this up because, A, you own a team. B, you kind of helped Brad's career at Junior Motorsports. So just give me your 10,000-foot view. Um, it, in my mind, it seemed it would be a great opportunity for Brad to take that next step. How about you? Well, um, there's two things there. I think you got to look at Brad, the owner, and then Brad, the driver. And I think it's different for each one. So... 
Brad, the owner, the entrepreneur, the guy looking for his future, uh, this is great. I think he will do a great job managing his team, uh, managing that team, the direction of that team. He's going to have a lot of influence and a lot of ideas. So be ready. All you folks at Roush, this guy comes uh, with a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas, and he's going to try to steer this thing wherever he thinks it needs to go and be pretty vocal about that. As far as Brad, the driver, um, I think Brad, the driver, is going to need to be patient. I mean, look at the performance of those cars. It's not exactly as good as what he's seen and enjoyed at, at, at Penske. So um, I'm not sure that that's just going to be a switch that turns on and all of a sudden Roush is running back up front again every single weekend. Um, so those cars aren't going to do exactly what he's used to uh, the Penske cars doing. And if he can understand that, be patient. Um, maybe the results will come, but I mean, how far, how far in his career is he as a driver? How many years does he have to sort of figure that out and get Roush where he thinks they need to be? It could happen really quickly and I wouldn't be surprised, but, um, I believe that he's going to have to accept less performance on the short term, but this will be a pretty cool thing for him on the long term as far as his, his, his ownership and being a big player in this industry for many, many years beyond his driving career. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I love the, uh, uh, the guitars behind you. Brad Paisley joining you at Nashville is going to be a good time. My one word of advice that DJ and I learned, if you go to Nashville, avoid Tim Duggar. You will not get to bed <laughs> as early as you yes. should get to bed to call a race the next day. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I've, I've not hung out with Tim in a long time, and it's been great on my liver. Yeah, we have great. All right, Junior, thanks for calling in, man, and have a blast in that pre-race show. We'll look forward to the guitar playing. See you guys. See you, man. See you, man. So it was good times. Interesting thoughts, though, about the Brad thing. I know we have a lot to cover, but uh, a lot of packages up there. What's your quick thoughts? I know you know a lot about Roush Fenway. Drove there for a long time. Well, listen, I, I, think, I think it's a really smart move for Roush Fenway. I, th I think that, uh, you know, Roush Fenway has been doing everything they can to find a way to cross that, those hurdles to get where they need to be, and they just haven't been able to do it. This year, I think they've had a better year this year than they yeah. have recently. Um, I just can't help but wonder if this was happening if the next-gen car wasn't coming. Yeah. I, you know, we yes. talk about yeah. Yeah. you know new owners. We talk about there are a lot of things going on that this next-gen car has a great deal to do with. And, and to Junior's point, if, if this wasn't that big change, would Brad be willing to gamble and say, okay, I can help build this team and get us running as well as what I'm used to, but with the next-gen car, it's a clean slate. Yeah. Nobody has anything, nobody knows anything, and I think Brad sees that as an opportunity. And Brad, is a, he thinks a lot, he, he puts a lot of thought into what he's doing, and I believe that Brad has a lot of confidence in himself and that he can help influence that company to get them performing and he's not going to be doing it as a, at a deficit because nobody's had this car before. I think yeah. all, that, all that has a role to play in this, if it ends up happening. Yeah, it's a great point. I think it, the, the timing would be perfect uh, yeah. for him and to make it all happen. And, you know, I, 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 it's, it's always a risk involved as a driver to get yourself in that position. Uh, it takes a lot. Uh, but I'll just go back to Tony Stewart. I remember whenever you know, he came to me uh, with this idea of what he was going to do uh, whenever he was 
uh, looking to, to get out and start something here and, and take over and make something of an organization. And he certainly did that and, and a lot more. So uh, it can be done, and it's probably the perfect time for Brad uh, if he's really interested in this happening. Well, it's a great point. Let's not forget Haas didn't just come on the scene with Stuart Haas Racing. Right? Yes, they were around right. well before when Tony Stewart went there and the parts and pieces he brought definitely elevated that. So listen, we yeah. kicked around Coda, but let's be honest. Let's talk to a guy that's going to be on track this weekend and on track in two series. After the break, we're going to talk to the man, Austin Sendrick. There he is on a lot of trophies. God, I see a little Roval trophy behind him. He's, he knows his road courses. Austin Sendrick, when we come back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, well, we promised Austin Sendrick after the break, and he's a good one to talk to because right here is the playoff leaderboard for the Xfinity Series, and you see with three wins and 20 all-important playoff points, Austin Sendrick is leading the charge. Uh, so, guys, let's welcome him in. He's the best guy to talk to about the upcoming race in Coda, in my opinion, because Austin's driving in both the Xfinity and the Cup. You've done some Cup races this year, double-duty weekend. With a little practice, you're going to be busy, man. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a busy weekend, especially on Saturday. I got cup practice in the morning and followed uh, immediately by Xfinity qualifying, Xfinity race. So uh, definitely, definitely can't complain. A lot of track time. Uh, weather definitely looks to be a factor this weekend. So uh, definitely going to gonna add to the craziness of, of the weekend schedule for sure. So, Austin, you have a lot of road racing experience, and you mentioned weather. Are you wanting weather? Yeah. Do you think that's an advantage, <laughs> or are you not wanting rain? I mean, there's yes and no. I, I feel like for this weekend, I'd probably learn more if there wasn't weather, to, to be honest, about kind of just understanding the cars and kind of where we stack up and, and obviously trying to, to, to advance ourselves, uh, you know, obviously in, in the race, but also uh, try, try and have a good run for, for ProTech in the cup race. So uh, past that, I, I think there's plenty to learn. I, I think this is a racetrack that uh, I would definitely like to practice in the wet. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, low risk opportunities given the, the fact that there's not much grass and a whole lot of runoff so um it, it's somewhere that uh, hopefully we can get that uh, that track time in in ideal conditions but it, it's definitely a unique racetrack compared to a lot of the road courses we go to hey austin uh, as we saw you uh kind of change as a driver here and become uh somebody that everybody looks at each and every week especially in the xfinity series and it started last year as you started winning races we, we saw you dominate most of, in most of your wins i saw something uh, this past weekend uh that 
I, it made me smile, and I just wondered, had, have you been looking back at the way David Pearson used to go about things and not letting the competition kind of know exactly what he had because uh, that was a perfect uh, setup and in the way that you did it and thinking your way through uh, that race to get yourself in a position to win. Well, I really appreciate that. That's that's high praise, and uh, you know I'm I'm really proud of uh, what we were able to accomplish last weekend as a team. You know, uh, I definitely made it known that Dover is one of my favorite racetracks, and was kind of bummed there was one taken off the schedule. And uh, obviously, starting 16th at, at a place like that is, is pretty challenging. And to obviously work our way through fairly methodically, keeping up with the racetrack, and then uh, making the correct adjustments at the end of the race. And, and like you said, I, I don't think uh, you know I don't think the seven or the eight really knew what we had until we were there and until it was too late. So. Uh, it was definitely definitely a lot of fun, uh, definitely fun to put it together. I'm so glad there weren't any cautions at the end of that race and uh, definitely really rewarding. So Austin, I don't get too far ahead of the year you're running because it's very impressive and, and I know you're going to make a run at that Xfinity Series title, but you know, the Cup Series looms. You've got a few tastes of it this year. Uh, give us, you know, we talk about it all the time, Saturday to Sunday. You can use all these cliches and we all have our opinion. I want to hear from a guy who's doing it this year. How do they compare? What's the biggest difference to lining up on a Sunday versus Saturday? Man, I'll, I'll put you in the driver's seat. You, I have started last in every cup race I've done so far, so maybe it'll change this weekend. Hopefully it changes this weekend given that I'm qualifying. But, um, you know, you start the race, you start passing a bunch of cars, and you get to the end of stage one, you keep the radio, and you go, you know, what, what position I get up two miles? And he's like, oh, you're, you're 23rd. <laughs> and you're like, I thought I was doing good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a similar experience for anyone who's got the yellow stripes on the back of the car. But, uh, definitely a lot to learn, you know, at the same time, you know, there's the you know, you have really great cars, really great drivers. And, and and once you get inside that top 20, I mean, you're racing against the best guys. You're racing against guys that you grew up watching on TV. And uh, once you get inside the top 15, top 10, you're, you're really making a difference. And um, we, we have things working against us, obviously part-time car and, um, you know, a, a thrown together team. And I'm really proud of the progress we've made since, you know, Daytona, Atlanta, Richmond, Kansas, we've picked some hard races and, uh, I've certainly learned a lot and, and hopefully I can carry over and continue raising the bar for, for our program because at the end of the day, it's about getting laps. It's about getting seat time for me and obviously preparing for, for next season, but uh, definitely great to, to get some perspective in, in, in kind of short, short bursts here. Austin, tell us about this weekend. What is race fans, what can they expect to see? Does this track compare anything to racetracks that, you know, like Sonoma or Watkins Glen? It's, it's a lot different than where any, any cup race has been in a while. You know, I would say, you know, tire fall off, probably similar to Sonoma, Road America, uh, but you have really long brake zones similar to what we had at Indy last year. So a lot of a passing opportunities, uh, a lot of tire dag, but the track's really wide. Um, so there's nowhere to hide if you're off the pace. Um, and, and at the same time, there's, there's 20 corners. I mean, it's a, such a long lap, you know, 20 corners, 40 cars on the racetrack multiply that by the amount of laps there are and how many shifts you have in a lap and that's how many times you have to screw up in in, in one lap so uh it, it's definitely uh hard to put a hard to put a lap together and, and definitely hard to put a race together so i, I think strategy is going to be uh, really key and, and obviously uh positioning yourself correctly so uh it, it's it's going to be like i said different the, this turn one entry here is definitely cause for a lot of accidents uh, a lot of guys getting left reared at the apex um, so the restarts, I can guarantee you are going to be crazy, um, as you've seen, you know, especially on most Saturdays. So um, definitely going to be uh, an interesting one to add to the schedule. 
Hey, Austin, Jeff Burton brought up something in our first segment uh, about that uh, we're hearing a lot of tire fall off uh, uh, as, uh, as you get more laps on the tires and, and basically abusing them. Uh, what is there something on a road course that a driver can do to help manage that? We hear it on ovals a lot about managing your tires at Atlanta and places like that. How about on a road course? What can you do? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge because you have to use the tire so much of the lap uh, to generate lap time and you can't give up anything on the brake zones, the acceleration. So so at that point, it really comes down to how you've how you've got the car balanced out. Uh, and, and that's that's going to be a really important part for me in, in our 50 minute practice session is understand how bad is it going to get? How much can I affect it? And, and what can we do to our race car? But at the same time, you can't over adjust. You know, it's it's really easy to overadjust and, and find yourself not being able to establish track position. That's the one thing. If I've learned anything in these cup races, it's it's it, it's a lot harder to recover from a loss of track position than, than what I'm used to on, on Saturdays. So um, it, once you get outside that that, that that top 10 area, it's 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 really challenging to make it back up through. So um, definitely understanding what, what the best moves are after practice, I, I think it's going to be what sets uh, you know the best guys apart uh, come Sunday. Well, Austin, you got a lot of trophies behind you, and I know you're going to fill the shelf even more as the season goes on. Good luck this weekend. Congratulations on last weekend. Uh, I, I won't lie, I'm excited uh, to see both the Xfinity and the Cup race. I think there's a lot of opportunity. You're having a heck of a year, man. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. I love this uh, kind of analogy because, you know, we always hear it, and, and I always say, listen, Sundays are just so tough, right? But he said it, right? You're having a great yeah. game. You're coming up, and you're 23rd. Yeah. You go, man, there's still that many guys. So one thing he didn't bring up, and, and I wish I would have asked him, and I might ask Christopher Bell later in the show when he calls in, I keep hearing this word of track limits, and we see the footage there. He talked about how wide that track is. We see the curbing and where you end up on the curbing, both at the Roval and at Daytona, be a big point of, I won't say controversy, but concern and conversation. It's going to be interesting to see if everyone understands the rules at CODA uh, because there is. I mean, there's room everywhere, uh, but you can't go everywhere. Some places are kind of off limits. You'll be penalized. Well, like at the roll, you know, they have a rule if you put, you know, if, if all four tires on the wrong side of the curve, you're, you know, you're, you have a stop and go penalty. Be, they're going to have to make some kind of rule like that, I assume. Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, there's places you can go. Just You could just shortcut the racetrack. Uh, NASCAR does a pretty good job of putting them in a box. I, I, you know what I mean? The, que the, question, oh, the question is, is, do they know what box there, they're there in? There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's probably the bigger concern than anything yeah. else. Well, listen, I think the best guy to ask is the guy that already went to Victory Lane at a road course this year. He found his way to Victory Lane at the Daytona road course. He gets to tackle a new road course. We'll talk to him after the break. Christopher Bell will join us. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. 
T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I used to not like road courses, but over the course of the years, um, I've, I've seemed to get a little bit better at them. Christopher Bell muscles his way to the inside of Joey Logano, and Christopher Bell is a winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. Oh my God. Holy smoke. Christopher Bell gets his first career NASCAR Cup Series win, and it comes on the road course at the World Center of Racing. This is definitely one of the highlights of my life so far. Now I've gotten to the point where I enjoy them. All right, well, that's the man who's joining us now, Christopher. Now, listen, I, I'm not going to knock you, but you were my pick for Daytona. I didn't see the road course <laughs> win at Daytona, but it was an impressive win. Uh, so, so what's your excitement looking ahead, Dakota, this weekend, another new road course? Yeah, Coda's definitely a race I had circled on the calendar even before the Daytona road course. So it's uh, it's a place that's going to be new for everybody. So that kind of levels the playing field a little bit. And and yeah, it's, it's going to be a really fun road course as well. All right, so this is a compliment. So be sure to take it like that. <laughs> so you weren't, you weren't a very good road racer when you first started doing it, but you've become a very good road racer. How did you teach yourself to do it? Yeah, so honestly... I find a lot of characteristics that are similar between road racing and dirt track racing. Uh, obviously, it took a lot of time and repetition of doing it to get good at shifting and, and really maximizing braking zones. That's been the hardest part for me is, is learning how much time there is to be gained in the braking zones. And I feel like I've always been pretty good at, at cornering and accelerating off the corners, but definitely braking is a technique in its own. Yeah, my road racing career had a lot to do with dirt, too, but it was because I was in the dirt a lot, <laughs> not, not for the reasons that you are good at it there. Hey, I, I want to go back to Daytona and, and winning that race, but now fast forward to everything that we've seen, that being the second race of the season, and all of these new winners, how much more important in getting that victory for you and, and looking at the playoffs and, and making things a little bit easier uh, for your season? Yeah, so preseason, Adam and I sat down, and we uh, we kind of guesstimated how many points we needed per race to make the playoffs based on X amount of winners. And we did it based off of four winners, five winners, six winners, all the way up until 13 or 14. And, and it gave us a, a number to shoot for of how many points per race we needed to score. And then all of a sudden, we go out and win the second race of the year. So that helped a lot. But at this rate, I mean, how many winners we got now? 10 it looks like and then you know you got denny and uh chase elliott and who else is up there there's a bunch of harvick hasn't won yet so there's a bunch of guys that are more than likely going to win too so it's definitely going to be a season where it's it's nice to be able to be uh, or have a win and be locked in so far yeah so uh christopher we talk a lot about coda coming up but we have other new venues we have nashville later in the year uh we get to go to some road courses that i think you have seen or we have at least seen some nascar cars on Give us one on your eye. You said you had Coda circled. What else when you look into the summer before you get to the playoffs? What are the few tracks you're excited to get to uh, as you kind of get your feet wet here at the Cup Series, a little more experience? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to kind of sound like a road racer here, but definitely Coda and Road America. Road America is a place where I you know, won an Xfinity race a couple years ago, and it's a, uh, a very slick road course. So it, it kind of reminds me of Daytona Road Course, and I think everybody's expecting – Coda to be really slick as well. Um, so, yeah, Road America is going to be a fun one. 
I, I've never been to Sonoma, so I'm I'm excited about going to another new track there. So, without going, with never been to Sonoma, never been to Coda, how do you prepare? I mean, how do you get yourself ready to go to these tracks? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is uh, simulation time, um, but nothing compares to at track experience. So, fortunately, at Coda, I've been able to go out there in, in January and run a Trans Am car, and, and Jeff actually Harrison was there with me, as you know. So. That was really, really beneficial, or at least I hope it's going to be beneficial going back there, just having already seen the place. Uh, but Sonoma, I'm going to be at a uh, quite a bit of a disadvantage. I, I wish I could get a K&N West car to run to give me a little bit of track time, but um, that's going to be a, a, a tough race for sure. Yeah, so you enjoy the road courses, but how about the rest of your program? How are you feeling about uh, the, the ovals uh, that you've been to so far and, and looking ahead to what's coming up for you? Yeah, the ovals, man, they, they've been up and down. And, you know, if you would have told me that my first cup win was going to come on a road course, I, I would have told you you're crazy just because I, you know, I, I enjoy road racing, but it's, it's really difficult to win on road courses. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought my first win would come there, especially with how good I was on the ovals in the Xfinity series. So uh, the ovals have just been up and down, man. Like we, we've gone to some racetracks where we're really competitive, but then on the flip side, some of the racetracks where we expected to be good at, I, I look at uh, Homestead and Atlanta were two racetracks that I expected to run really well at, and then Dover as well. I've, I've won a couple times in the lower series at Dover, and those three races, we, we really weren't very good. So uh, it's just been up and down. Well, we're not going to keep you because we know you're on a time crunch, not because you're out hanging out, but you have a race to run. you got the iRace <laughs> tonight. I know you're sitting in your rig. Um, I hope you have a good time. That's the whole idea of it is have a good time, and uh, we're all going to probably tune in and watch and see how you end up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. All right, see Bell. There he is, winner from the Daytona Road Course. Pretty good insight, Dakota, and I didn't want to have him late. I keep seeing him look down. I'm sure he's checking <laughs> to see if they're gritting uh, for that. But it's interesting, though, and it's a great question. I'm glad you yeah. asked it. Dirt to road course. I was a little surprised by that, but I guess you're searching for grip, searching for different ways. But um, I, I wasn't being rude when I said I just didn't have him pegged as the road course favorite because no. the field's so deep. But I think that's really when I look at Coda, DJ, my big question is it's easy to say Truex is going to be good and, you know, Chase Elliott's going to be good. But is there another Christopher Bell, right? Is there yeah. one that we're not thinking um, you know, Dale Jr. mentioned uh, Kurt Busch, who has been there a couple times, right? Is there a guy we're not thinking of that you have your eye on just so I can fill out the rest of my fantasy lineup? Yeah, well, I think somebody that's definitely going to be in there is Michael McDowell when I look at that. You know, Michael McDowell does a great job. He's good at taking care of his equipment, and, and I, I think that he's someone that uh, over the years, I mean, road racing is where he came from, really. And uh, so I, I think that he does a, a really good job of that. And, you know, can he go get a second win? I mean, uh, that, that would be incredible to think, but, but he always seems to find himself inside the top 10. And if you do that, then it gives you a chance. But I went back to Christopher Barrel just a second. It, what you asked him was exactly right about where he started as a road racer. When we first saw him in Xfinity, it was not good. I mean, uh, and you know, he just didn't have the experience. But, wow, what a marked improvement he's made uh, in a very short time, the way I look at it. Well, he's a really good race, race car driver. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Driving yeah. a race car, I think, is just about knowing you're finding the limit, right? And on a road course, it's, you know, the braking limits. The, all those things are just, you, you got to have experience to do it. You know, I think, I think there's, you know, I think there's two people you have to watch out for this weekend. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger's in a cup race. Mm -hmm. yeah. And our, we had Austin Cindric on a little while ago. You know, we said in the booth multiple times, 
we believe, looking at the schedule in the future, that more road courses was a great opportunity for a young guy like that who has tons of road course experience. Mm-hmm. Can he take advantage of it? He is an accomplished road racer yeah. that has raced against some of the best in the world. And I just, I don't think you can count him out. I just, you gotta keep your eye on him. We know he's got good equipment, uh, you know, and I don't think the moment's too big for him. I think that, I think he has grown so much over the last two years. I think if he gets himself in position, I think he knows how to close it. Yeah, I mean, listen, the new schedule is definitely gonna open doors to a different style of driver. If I was a GM at a team, you know, I'm looking for a different driver than I was five years ago with that many road courses. And I mean, that's a pathway to the playoffs. So uh, NASCAR, American Motor Mouse wouldn't be Motor Mouse other than just us. We have to have some call-ins as well. So NASCAR, what you got for us? Well, I'll tell you, I'm glad I'm a little late in the show because this Brad K thing, we have uh, declined to talk about what that means for Newman. So we'll save that for when that's official. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, my question to you guys is, with practice being valuable, as these drivers talk about, when they practice, can they take these notes or will they take these notes, And even though every track's different, and use it for another track or the data that they get for maybe setups or something? How valuable is this data, and how far can they use it and take it for other races? Well, I mean, I'll jump right in. That's a great question. So uh, with two very separate answers. At CODA? I think it's practicing for Coda. One hour, brand new racetrack, the notebook is blank. You have a lot to fill in. Maybe, maybe you learn a little something doubtful. But then let's not forget, then there's practice at the 600, just the next week as well. So now at the 600, tons of information can be taken to somewhere else because you have race different setups. Everyone knows Charlotte. Everybody knows what they have there. They have really thick notebooks. We don't need practice there, but it's a good point in the season, DJ, to get a little practice yeah. to help teams catch up, other teams develop. So I look at I look at Charlotte, even Nashville. I know it's different. I think they're going to learn something at Nashville. Uh, the doubleheader at Pocono isn't practice, but you got two swings at the same racetrack. So I think practice at those types of facilities very important for the whole season. Yeah, I don't know about a notebook as far as looking at it from a crew chief standpoint, but as a driver, you never quit learning. Uh, anytime that you're in the race car, and I don't care if it's somewhere that you raced at 50 times, uh, you're learning something uh, at that particular time that, that may you know put something in your head for somewhere else. And so I think drivers are always learning. And, and this is going to be 50, you point, we pointed out earlier, 50 minutes isn't a lot of time to no. get used to. And, and one thing that I'm seeing about this uh, road course is there's a lot of open space. And, and driver, as a driver, especially on road courses, you like to have marks and be able to see certain things that really give you uh, an idea of where you're at and what you need to be doing at that time. And, and I think that that might be a little bit limited here, uh, especially when you're in a pack of cars. So learning what you can as a driver quickly is going to be of utmost importance. Yeah, that was amazing to me, Jeff. I mean, the horizon's just so far away and kind of barren. There's not a lot of marks uh, like right here. I mean, there's just nothing really off in the distance to kind of pick your spots. Well, there's a lot of elevation change. And elevation yeah. change creates sightline problems. Yeah. And like to DJ's point, you know, you drive a race car off of what you see and off of what you feel. And when you can't see, I mean, you can't see around to the next corner right there, right? So you're trying to set yourself up. And some of it's honestly going to be memory. Like, where do I need to be in this corner to set myself up for the next corner that I can't even see? And typically, a, a race car driver. You know, at an oval, when you drive into turn three, your your focus is to get in turn three and do what you need to do so that it makes it good off of four, right? Well, but you can see turn four. Here, you can't necessarily <laughs> see the next corner. And I think that's that's why road course racing is hard, is that, you know, one corner leads to the next. And one mistake in one corner magnifies 
and it just goes forever. So, you know, the mistake continues to compound. So, you know, visibility is, is a major deal. It's worse on road courses. You can see the number of corners as we're riding along. I mean, the number of corners at this racetrack, it's crazy. And every kind of shape of corner. Right. I mean, yeah. good gosh, it's everything you can imagine. And I just, it's going to be a huge challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a compromise. The driver's going to have to find a way to kind of work his way through the corners. I will add this. For a crew chief, I would be salivating. Long lap times, tire fall off, and potential weather. You better charge your, charge your calculators <laughs> because there's going to be a lot of ways to break this race down. I say long lap times because, you know, at a shorter race, even the Glen can get a little shorter, the Roval, right? You know, half the field are going to lose a lap, so they can't pit and do something crazy. We have, a, you know, long lap times that are over a three-mile road course is going to open up the field dramatically, throw some stages in there, who needs stage points, who doesn't. If you're watching this race, don't try to chase the strategy. Sit back and enjoy it because there's going to be too many to try to follow. Maybe follow your favorite's strategy, but that'd be the only. So I think the most important thing about practice this week may be fuel mileage. Fair. Mm. You know, understanding it's not as bad in cup because, you know, you get some data coming yeah. back. You can kind of estimate how much mm -hmm. the fuel burn is. But for Xfinity, you have no idea. Yeah. New racetrack yeah. and everything else. And even... Even Coda for the Cup teams, like when you go to Watkins Glen, you go to Sonoma, you know. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what your fuel burn is, and you build a strategy. I mean, a week before you go to Sonoma, you're like, if this happens, we're going to do this. If this happens, we're going to do that. I don't know they can do that for Coda. Yeah. I don't know without having that fuel mileage, and fuel mileage is so important on road courses that they can build that strategy. So you will confirm your fuel mileages on Friday to help build your strategies that you're going to play on Sunday. Yeah, the fuel windows are burned in my mind at Watkins Glen. I can tell you where they're at to this day. Like, I, I got you. No, I got you. Well, it's been a lot of fun so far talking to a couple drivers about Coda. I think we have one more guest that's going to join us at some point later in the show. Our man Lee Diffie is going to join us. We're going to talk Coda, and we're going to talk Indianapolis. Our man gets to call another Indy 500 in a couple weeks. Lee Diffie coming up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, well, we mentioned it. It's a busy month for IndyCar. The month of May, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Practice on Thursday, practice on Friday, both available on Peacock. And then day one qualifying on NBCSN. We will set a portion of the field and set some fast nine. Then we'll come back on Sunday, the 23rd on NBCSN, where we will set both the front row and, most importantly, perhaps the last row of the Indy 500. Then carb day and then the 105th running of the greatest spectacle in motorsports, Indianapolis 500 on May 30th from NBC. DJ, you and I, I've never been there for the 500. Yeah. Um, I actually go up tomorrow for practice and qualifying and go up the next weekend. I get to cover from the Peacock Pit Box. Me and Jimmy Johnson will cover the race there. 
I mean, the first time I saw Indy cars go around Indy, I won't lie, it took a couple laps for my brain to, to understand what I was seeing. I've watched stock cars around there my whole life. They are so unbelievably fast around that racetrack. Yeah, it's just striking as to how much difference it is with it, from our world of, of stock cars going around there. And, and you know, you, you always saw the numbers uh, and the speed on TV. But when I went a couple of years ago, and, and I was up there just for qualifying weekend, but to go down in the corner and, and just physically see just how fast that really is, just incredible. You know, it's driving a whole different racetrack than, than what we experience in a stock car. And uh, uh, just amazing. You, it makes you... Not that I didn't have a great appreciation uh, for these IndyCar drivers to begin with, but uh, even more so after that, to, to realize just what a, a knife's edge they are on each and every lap and each and every corner. Well, I'm looking forward to heading up there. One guy who I know has been up there, he had the Grand Prix, now he has qualifying this coming weekend, uh, is our old buddy Lee Diffie. So Diff, what's going on up in Indianapolis? You ready to head back for qualifying weekend? Oh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um... Just watching these first two days of practice, fellas, I think we're going to have quite the race. And that's not hyperbole. That's by watching how close they've been able to run in traffic and execute some moves. Um, in years gone by, we've been a little bit nervous about the, the, the lack of being able to follow uh, closely, get close to the car in front or whatever. But what I've seen these first two days, I think it's going to be superb. All right, Diffie, so you've been watching practice. You, you, you cover this sport. You know everybody. Who is the guy to watch on, on the hmm. 500? Well, uh, Jeff, if you take a look at the combined practice times from the f three practice sessions so far, I think it's worth noting that in the top five are the two guys that duked it out last year, and that's Scott Dixon and the two-time winner, Takuma Sato. So, I mean, you've got to, you've got to look at them straight away. I think um, the Penske guys will be strong. I think... Uh, you know what I think, Jeff? And, and this is the way I answered this question last year. Of the 33 cars, I honestly think that two, 22 of them, two-thirds of the field could win. And that's the beautiful thing about IndyCar racing and the Indianapolis 500 because I think there's certain forms of motorsport that you could take a shot at predicting who's going to win a race at a particular track on any given weekend and you wouldn't be far off. IndyCar is not one of those. Um, you know, and, and the proof is in the pudding so far this year, five races, five different winners. Look at how NASCAR started, seven races, seven different winners to open up the season. So tremendous diversity. And I think that there are some exciting youngsters who might be punching above their weight this year at the 500. And there's some seasoned veterans that it's a real thorn in their side that they haven't won this event yet. So I think you've got this wonderful equilibrium of drivers from different backgrounds and different experience levels that stand an equally good chance. So, Diff, what you just said uh, brings me to my question, and you talk about uh, the cars uh, in, in traffic, in dirty air, and how well they're handling there. Does that bring up some concern for those veterans of these young guys that have tremendous amount uh, of talent and fast race cars? And a tremendous amount of bravery, right? Or, or, <laughs> yeah. not, not, or, not, or not being afraid. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question, DJ, because... You know, we've seen already, well, not just this year, we saw it last year too, but, you know, when you've got guys like Colton Herter and Renus VK, who, you know, the most recent winner from the weekend, uh, Scott McLaughlin, who's come over from Aussie V8 Supercars and finished second at Texas on, on a very difficult and demanding oval. Uh, you've got Pato Award, who we've nicknamed the Ninja because of the speed of his hands. You've got that guy there, Alex Pillow. I mean, the, the, the depth within the youngsters and the newcomers is incredible so uh yeah dj i think 
I think that they've already shown that they're not afraid to mix it up with the veterans and the big names. But then again, it's kind of like in, in NASCAR terms, it's kind of like when going to a super speedway, whether it be Talladega or Daytona or what have you, the big race and this speedway, um, it not only deserves, but it commands respect because if you don't give it respect, it's going to punish you in the most savage of ways. So just even for what we're freestyling here about, I mean, it's just get, it's getting me more excited just talking about the prospects and we haven't even qualified yet. So, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and there is going to be a legitimate bump, as you know, there's 35 cars for 33 spots. So um, that in itself is cruel and harsh, but it's part of the legacy and the history and, uh, and the heritage of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, so Diff, I, w- I want to get your opinion. We have a big weekend in NASCAR heading to Coda. We're going to get your thoughts on Coda. But real quick, qualifying for the Indy 500, as I mentioned, I'm heading up there. I'm going to hang out with you. Me and Jimmy Johnson are going to be on the Pitcock Pit Box. Break us through the system, right? So make sure I have this right. See if I've been studying my notes. On Saturday, we're going to set the top 30 cars that are going to be guaranteed to race. We're going to set a fast nine that will return on Sunday. That fast nine will then race for the nine front spots and perhaps you know, the most coveted spot, the front row or the pole position. But then on the other side, we're going to have five cars, two of which will no no longer have a chance to win the Indianapolis 500. They'll be eliminated. Seems like a weekend full of action at the Brickyard. Let me get my pen out here as a former school teacher and put an A-plus there for you, Stevie. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Very good. Um, yeah, and that's what and, – and just you describing each and every one of those phases makes it compelling viewing – uh, last year, if you remember, Marco Andretti won the pole position and broke a 33-year drought, you know, the last time an Andretti was on the pole. And, and when we get to that Fast 9 shootout, it goes 9 through to 1 as, as far as they qualified. And Marco was the last to run and, and got that pole. So it's not guaranteed that it will run that way each and every year, but it just builds. It's a natural crescendo and, and super entertaining and exciting. And then on the other side, you've got the absolute nerve-wracking experience of five cars going for three spots. And you only have to go back to two years ago when Kyle Kaiser and the Minnows to IndyCar Hunkos Racing um, bumped McLaren and Fernando Alonso. They sent them packing. So it's not like it's not like the big names and the big teams are guaranteed a spot. James Hinchcliffe didn't qualify a few years ago. So this thing is brutal. It doesn't get any more knife edge. And it's how well can you go for four laps of the Brickyard, 10 miles of your best. And um, it, it's just edge of your seat stuff. We love it. All right, let's switch gears real quick. You've called races there. Uh, you know more about the track than we do, and we're here trying to analyze it. Put your NASCAR hat on. What are we going to see? What is Coda going to offer NASCAR fans when these stock cars hit the track? So excuse my ignorance, but they're running the full track, right? Yeah, they're running yeah. the full track. Over three miles, 20 corners. I think yeah. that's the full track. You know more about it than I do. So I tell you what, the brakes are going to get a good workout at the end of the back straight into turn 12, uh, for sure. Um, over the... almost 10 years now that Coda has been around, the track has uh, changed and the ground has settled and and there's areas where there's quite significant bumps. I don't think it'll be too much of a a drama for the stock cars. Um, Around the final third of the track, there's a lot of switchbacks and turns and you're going to have to have a good setup. You're going to have to have good rhythm through there. Turn 19, the second to last corner, which is a a left-hander. And when IndyCar went there, they certainly broke the uh, the track limits by just going over the over the curving and way out wide. So, kind of like kind of like what uh, the Cup cars and and, and um, Xfinity cars do at the Glen when you're coming through the carousel, right? So 
This corner, which is turn 11, right up at the top end of the circuit, is, is going to be interesting because it's, it's super slow and then you've got to get a good run out of there to get a good run down the back straight. I think uh, watching them come off down through the mine shaft after turn one as you come down through turns three, four, five, and then you come here through the S's. This is an exhilarating section of the track. So I'm super intrigued to see how the cars perform, but it maybe even more so who gets the hang of it the best. All right, Dev, well, I appreciate you joining us. I know you've got a busy two weeks. Can't wait to come hang out with you. Uh, can't wait to listen in. Your IndyCar broadcasts are always so exciting. I'm excited to be on it. And uh, for anybody who wants to know, man, qualifying this week, Indy 500 Memorial Day weekend on Sunday. Our buddy Lee Diff will be at the helm calling the play-by-play. -play. See you guys. Nice to join you. See you, Dev. Right, hey, man. I love to hear what he has to say, right? Because first of all, he can get the corner numbers and the direction. So he's ahead of me a little bit. <laughs> the track limits are, are interesting. And then I can't believe it's only 10 years old. We're talking tire fall off. I guess it's that, you know, South Texas heat. That, that pavement doesn't have a lot of color left to it. Forget all that. He was a teacher? I know. Yes. I know. I was just going <laughs> to let that go. That me the first I time I that. learned that. I know. Yes. yes. Not that he's not smart, but that guy's crazy, man. Like, he's, he's fun to be with. I bet those kids had a good time. I wish he would have been my teacher when I was young. Yeah, just uh, how knowledgeable blast. he is about all forms of motorsports. Just incredible. Been doing, you know, so much other stuff. Just incredible what he does. And uh, perfect fit for the Indianapolis 500. Oh, it's going to sure. be a blast. And I won't lie, I'm as excited as Dale Jr. is to head to Nashville. It's good, uh, exciting news that Brad Paisley, Dale Jr. will be hosting the pre-race show. Um, I'm not sure about playing the guitar. I'll have to wait to see how that one turns out. <laughs> That's an air guitar. Oh, yeah, maybe an air guitar. But Nashville, you and I went to go check out the track, yeah. did a little press conference there. The town is yeah. perhaps more excited than the track. I mean, the town no is doubt. fired up. Yeah, yeah, they're excited about it and fans uh, back in, so should be a great time. Looking forward to that, our first weekend. I was at the facility yesterday. They've done a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of fun. Got great seats. Yeah. If you're in that area, go check it out. NASCAR, Nashville, country music, NBC's kickoff weekend. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a blast. Full weekend of racing from Coda, Indianapolis qualifying. Thanks for watching Motormouths. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.